together for the text for this morning's message. The text will be in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. So if you have a Bible, would you take it and let's stand? We stand out of reverence for the Word. This is the Word of God, inspired by God, able to instruct us. The Bible says it is alive and pierces down to the needs that we need in Hebrews chapter 4, so we, we stand in reverence of it. As you're turning there to Luke chapter 10, if you look outside and you, you pay attention to what's going on, the world is pretty full of hate right now, isn't it? It's also full of compassion. It's almost a weird balance. I've seen more compassion. I've seen more care for people than I have in a, in a long time, but I've also seen much more hate than I have seen in a long time. There's a lot of hate out there. And it seems like there's these two sides that are divided. And I don't know what sides they are. Some people say it's the left and the right, a Republican and Democrat, or some people say it's, it's uh, <laughs> masks or no masks or this or that. I don't know what you would call the sides. I guess you could call them good and evil. But the animosity between different groups of people is at a fever pitch, more than I can ever remember in my lifetime. And so I watch all of this going on, and as a pastor here, I wonder, what is our position? How does the church fit into all of this? And I'm not talking politically. There's a place for that. And we should have a voice, and it does matter, as we'll speak a little bit about. But I'm talking personally. How do each of us here, as members of this local body, who know the saving grace of God, and who know what it's like to walk with Him each day, how do we fit into all of that in a very real way? What are we supposed to do? And so before we take our steps, our next steps in our study of Romans, especially Romans chapter 11, I want to step back. And this message kind of springs from Paul's heart in those passages as we've been studying. His heart is broken. His heart is broken for those who do not know God. He says in Romans chapter 9, I could wish myself accursed from Christ if Israel would believe. My heart's desire is for Israel that they would be saved. His his heart is broken for those who don't know God. His longing is for them to be saved. And we've touched on it briefly in past weeks, but I want to revisit the subject this morning, albeit probably in a more head-on way than we have. What I want to do is bring this to the forefront of our minds and maybe even cause us to confront some problems within ourselves as this has done for me. So let's look at the text this morning. Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 25. We're going to read down through verse 37. You know this passage. You've heard this passage. It is the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Let's bow our heads. Father, 
We thank you for this opportunity to come before you. We thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. Thank you for each one gathered here, Lord. I, help now, I ask now that you would help us to have open hearts and open minds to your word that you would teach us, Lord. Remove the distractions and give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Do the work that only you can do through the Spirit. Give me strength to say what is needed and nothing more. I ask your blessing on this time of preaching. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. There is no doubt in my mind as I read the scriptures, specifically Paul's writings, there's no doubt in my mind that he cared for the lost. And by lost, I mean those who are not saved. Those who do not know Jesus in saving faith. And we can see it all over his writings. Of course, we know his writings are inspired by the Holy Spirit. But as he writes, his heart comes out. He makes his heart known. And if I could just remind you of our, our study through Romans 9 through 11, his care is specifically coming out for Israel. He wants them to be saved. But it's not just confined to Israel. Paul wants all people to be saved. He makes it quite clear as he writes to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, he says this, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He says, I want everybody to know that Jesus came to save sinners. And he goes on to say, he saved me as it might be a pattern for the rest who believe. He would write in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, God will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He makes his heart clear. God makes his heart clear through him, right? It is clear that God wants to save all. But when Paul says this, and he expresses his heart, this wasn't some quaint emotional Christian jargon. There's a language, you may not know it, it's called Christianese. It's one of those times we, we spew out little phrases or we say these things and it makes us feel good and holy. Like, oh, God loves the world so much, I just, I just hope everyone I know is saved. We say that a lot. We say that all the time. But too often, that's where it stays. Talk. Makes us feel holy. Like, look at my loving heart. I wish everybody in the world would be saved. Well, that's a good thing to say, but is it just talk? Too often, that's what it stays, right? Not Paul. Paul would say those things. But Paul backed it up in action, didn't he? Let me read to you from Acts chapter 26 as Paul is standing before King Agrippa and he's giving his personal testimony of that, that occurrence on the road to Damascus. Listen to what Paul says. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he, Jesus, saying, I am Jesus whom thou persecutes. But rise up, excuse me, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things into which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul is given a commission, right? This is what I want you to do. I'm going to send you to people to, to open their eyes so they'll turn away from the power of Satan to the power of God, so that they'll be saved and that they'll walk with me. Listen to what Paul says next. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to what God told me to do. In fact, he goes on, he said, I showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works, meet for repentance. He said, I, I didn't just experience this for myself and hold it in. No, I followed what God told me to do. I told them at Damascus, at Jerusalem, all the coasts of Judea, and the, the, uh, the book of Acts bears out how he went to everywhere preaching the word, right? Paul said he cared, and there was no mistaking his heart because he showed he cared. Everybody understand what I'm saying? He said it, but his actions proved it too. 
His love was evident in his actions. You could tell that Paul truly cared. Now listen, beloved, we talk about love all the time, don't we? We talk about the love of God for the world. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, John 3.16. We talk about that. and We, we talk about how, how much this world needs God right now. How much this world needs the love of Christ. <laughs> Let me just say, make no mistake, it does. The fix or the cure to what is going on in all the civil unrest and all of the anger and all of the hatred, the cure for that is not a political party. Although that will help greatly. <laughs> and I was having a wonderful conversation this morning. just kind of comes to mind that we need to vote the Bible, right? That's what we need to do. We need to stand up and stand for biblical principles. But you understand the church of God does not live or die with the kingdom of man. Our king is... In heaven. And he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. The church will be here until Christ returns. The cure for that is not, the cure for what's going on is not a political party. The cure for what's going on right now is not social justice. The cure for the anger and the hatred and the unrest is Christ. The cure is the salvation and the new life that only Christ can bring. It's hearts that are changed by the gospel and therefore lives that are changed because they see now the love of God. They have experienced the love of God and now we share that with other people. What the world needs is to turn to Him in faith, to believe in Christ who is crucified for our sins and to live a new life with Him as Lord of all. That's it. There are other things that might help. There are other things that might calm uh, the, the unrest down, but what will cure it is Christ and the love of God in Christ. We talk about that all the time, don't we? Preachers preach about it in pulpits all around the world. We sit around our dining room tables and talk about it, how much this world needs God, or patio sets on the back porch and talk about it. But is it just that? Conversation. Listen, true love, true love is more than talk. That's true for marriage. That's true for family. That's true for the church. True love and true care is more than just talking about it. It's acting on it. Love that's talked about but not lived out is useless. If I say I love my wife all day long, but I never kiss her or hug her or show her, how loved does she really feel? Not much. So I may have all this love in my heart, but if I don't express that, I don't act on that towards my wife or towards my family, then that love is, it doesn't impact anybody doesn't do anything, does it? makes me feel good, but it doesn't impact those around. You know what, beloved? The same is true for the church and the church's responsibility to the world. If we talk about love all the time, but we never put that into action, what does it do? So I want to address that today. You say you care about the world. I say I care about the world. But do we really? Do we show it? If I could phrase it this way, do you even care, bro? Do you care, brother? Do you care, sister? Well, Jesus has a way of tackling these kinds of issues, doesn't he? He has a way of putting us in our place and causing us to think. And here in this parable, we've, we know uh, so well, He gives us a perfect example of what we ought to do. He's going to teach us exactly what we need to know this morning. So let's take a, a look at a couple things here in this parable. First, I want you to notice the question in verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer, this would be somebody who studied the Bible. They were uh, 
very familiar with the law and how it was put into practice. A certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. He's trying to catch him in his own words, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this phrase, inherit eternal life, it's not just, it's talking about the fullness of life. The Greek bears that out, this, this quality of life. I believe it's more than just coming into a relationship with God. I think he's asking more, what what must I do to be saved? He's asking, how can I experience the fullness of living with God right here and forever? What do I have to do to get that? That's a valid question, right? Isn't that a question we all should ask? What can I do to have a full life with God where my life is just full of Him and and full of joy and peace and I am living a heavenly life right here and right now but also knowing that that is what is coming for me forever. What do I have to do to, to, to experience that? We should be asking that. Not, how do I make more money? What can I get next? How do I live with God to the full extent right here and right now? When Jesus gives them a simple answer, look in verse 26. He said unto him, what is written in the law? He says, you're going to, he's actually trying, the lawyer is trying to trap Jesus in his own words and Jesus does a smart move. But I, I want you to see how he points him back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? That's what this law is. What is written in the law? What do you read there? How readest thou? What do you see there? What does Scripture say? And the response that this lawyer gives is a good one. He says two things, right? Verse 27, He answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord with all the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, and all thy might. And, the second, love thy neighbor as thyself. Love God and love your neighbor. That's the very foundation of the law, isn't it? In fact, In a similar interaction, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 40, On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. You see, those were the two main points of the law. Love God, have a right relationship with God. Love your neighbor as yourself, have a right relationship with fellow man. One was vertical, one was horizontal, right? And the rest of the law and all that it's about is instruction on how that works out. How do you truly love God? Well, here's what you're going to do. How do you truly love man? Well, here's what you're going to do. But it's those two main points. So this is a good response. And even Jesus said so. Verse 28, you have answered right. Do this and you'll experience that fullness of life. And we would say the same, right? What, what is this life all about? It's, it's loving God and having a relationship with Him and walking with Him and then loving others how God would have us to love, love them and show, showing God's love through our actions, right? We would give a very similar answer. In fact, we talk about it all the time. So, so far so good. Until, verse 29. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, eh, Who's my neighbor? <laughs> there it is. There's the problem. The problem with him, the problem with me, the problem with you. Just who exactly is my neighbor? The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we're pretty good at loving ourselves. We take really good care of ourselves. And if I'm supposed to love other people, Neighbors, as myself, I kind of want to know who you're talking about. Who exactly is my neighbor? Who exactly am I supposed to love? Implying this. There's got to be people that are not included in that, right? Perhaps it could be be phrased, well, who is not my neighbor? Just so I know, so I can get this all squared around. You ever ask that question? Probably not outright. We ask those questions down deep in our soul. We hear the instruction, we read the instruction of God and and how it tells us how we ought to treat fellow man and to love them and that God loves them. For God so loved the world. That's probably one of the 
greatest, most shining examples of the love of God. He loved the world. Romans chapter 5 says, The love of God is manifest in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? There's no mistaking the love of God. There's no mistaking the love of Christ. We hear that, right? We know we're supposed to go love people. And what's the question that pops in our head? Them? Love them? Love him? Love her? Care for them? Because let's be quite honest. You and I, there's some people we don't want to be our neighbor. There's some people that are messy. There's some people that are damaged, complicated. There's some people that hate me. Well, surely God doesn't mean them, right? Surely God means those that believe in Him and believe the Bible and us and me and them are on the same page and they like the same things that I like and they don't do drugs and alcohol and all this and they don't, they don't do this or do that. The ones that are just like me, that's my neighbor, right? That's what the lawyer's asking and let's be honest, if down deep in the core of our own soul, we think the same thing, don't we? And so Jesus gives an illustration. A simple illustration that cuts right to the heart. You're familiar with this. So I'm not going to spend a bunch of time explaining the details. I just want to bring it home. How it has hit my heart. Convicted me. Every sermon is first preached to myself. I've beat myself up all week and then now I get to deliver it to you and let the Spirit do the work on your own heart. But it, it has shown me what I need to change. So let's look at What Jesus says, verse 30. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. This man is damaged. This man is robbed. And he is left half dead. Can I just say right out of the gate, that man is every man? That's what sin does. That's what sin does. Sin does not help us. Sin does not make us better. Sin destroys us. It has stripped us of joy, stripped us of peace, left us separated from God and walking through this world spiritually dead on our feet. Now some may evidence this more than others. Some may hide it with a suit and tie and a nice car. Some may hide it with a religious front. But the fact of the matter is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death. Eternal death and physical death. Oh, sin has robbed us and left us for dead. This is the state of humanity without God. You can read this and look at people all around us, even ourselves. The source for the riots, the source for the anger, the source for the hatred and the arrogance and the self-righteousness and all the destruction and all the ruined lives, the source for the addiction, on and on. The source of that is sin. It's sin. Not necessarily personal sin, though there are consequences for our actions. It's just sin in the world. That's what it does. It destroys, and when you look out, you see the handiwork of man's sinful nature. We have already stated many times in the past few messages, we need someone to help us. We need someone to step in, just like this man lying here on the side of the road. We are spiritually dead and wounded. Who will help? Who will help? There are people you see every day in need of help. So who will help them? Let's go on as Jesus gives us more in this illustration. I want you to notice the careless. The careless. Verse 31. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him. 
and pass by on the other side. This is a well-traveled road. Jesus didn't create this road out of nothing. This is a well-traveled road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And because of the number of priests and Levites in the nation of Israel, there would be hundreds passing this way every day. This wasn't um, a rare occurrence that a priest would go this way. And it isn't a rare occurrence that a robbery would happen. So this, this tale that Jesus is weaving is not outside of realm of possibility. People would know. They would understand. This is like saying somebody walked through Skid Row on downtown L.A. and, and got mugged. It wouldn't blow our minds. We would say, okay. So these priests and these Levites would be all over. And you already know the word priest, the word Levite. These are God's people, right? These are God's men in offices to, to stand between God and the people in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. They were to be God's voice and God's hands and God's heart to the people. So if anybody should have helped, it should have been them. And here comes God's people, and notice what they do for this broken, hurting man. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They come upon the broken, wounded man and helpless. Those, this man who needs the grace of God, and the grace of God can be communicated through human means in a great way. And what do they do? They walk on. It says the first one happens on it by chance. The priest came by chance. He just kind of comes on the scene. He's walking down the road and boom, there's this guy. Just comes upon the scene and what does it say? He, he passed by on the other side. As quickly as he showed up, he's out. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes people come into our lives out of nowhere and they're broken and they're hurting. Maybe it's a co-worker that was just hired. And all of a sudden, boom, you're, you're, you're walking alongside this guy or gal who's got a life that is just messed up. Who's been through some things or is going through some things. And we see what sin has done. And it's just out of nowhere. Maybe it's a conversation you have with somebody out in the street. Can you believe those still happen? They should happen more. <laughs> Maybe it's a conversation. You, you stop and say hi and actually answer that question. How are you doing today? You know, Or wait for an answer. You get into a conversation and boom, whoa, there's something going on here. And we are given a chance to have an impact. The door is open that we can share Christ. We can share the grace of God and all that He has done for us. And what do we do? More often than not, we ignore that. We we close that conversation because it's a little uncomfortable, and man, I just want to. I just want to go. We close that conversation. And move on with our lives. We ignore that homeless guy sitting in the car. Hope he doesn't see me. Hope he doesn't walk up to the window and ask. Assuming we know why he's there. We ignore those who are living in rampant and professed sin. You hear the stories about what these people have done over the weekend and at, at your job, and we, we, we stay silent because we assume, well, they like it. They're, they're doing this because they like it, and they'll never change. Or We ignore those who we know that are just broken so badly, assuming that they're beyond repair. We ignore, and we move on with our little lives, because after all, we got things to do. I got places to go and people to see. I got schedules, man. This, this conversation could take like 15 minutes. I got things to do. I got things to buy. I got goals and I got money to earn so I can get these stuff. <laughs> conversation with the homeless guy. Come on, man. I, I, I got to get up here. We don't got time for that mess. I've barely got time to show up to church on Sunday if it fits in my schedule, thank you very much. So don't talk to me about talking to other people. I've got stuff to do. And we try to put distance between something or someone that hampers my plans and my style and my goals. 
And when those conversations come by chance, we think, whew, that was close. That guy's messed up. As we leave. Perhaps feeling a tinge of guilt in our own souls. Like, ah, man, I should have said something. But we quickly busy that away. Am I wrong? I'm not, am I? Or we can be like the Levite. You see, he came near and he looked. And then he left. He observed and studied and said, oh yeah, this is bad. And then he left. You know, we can, we can do that too. We can look in and maybe learn a little bit and listen to the story and observe what somebody's going through and say, wow, that is so hard. I will pray for you, but I'm not going to back up with any action. We ought to pray, but there also ought to be a heart of, what can I do to help? Now, quite often we say, be warmed and filled. I'm not going to do anything about it. And we move on, again, trying to put distance between us and the inconvenience. It sounds harsh. It sounds mean. But, beloved, that is the state of most of Christianity in America. We are concerned about our own blessings, our own lives, rather than the eternity of those around us. It's wrong. It's wrong. That is the exact opposite of who we are to be by Old Testament standard and by New Testament standard. Listen to what Jesus says. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. People ought to look at us and say that's God's child in the way they speak, in the way they act because there's something different about them. It says in 1 John chapter 3, Whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Let's not just love in word, but in action. That's what the Bible calls us to, right? We say we care, but do we? Do we even care? I want to share a quote with you. Um, I've come across it a couple times. Maybe I'm sure some of you have heard this before. I've come across it a couple times in, in different readings, and uh, Brother Brian shared it with me last week. It's pretty eye-opening. It's pretty humbling. It's pretty harsh. kind of puts into different words what I am trying to say, uh, but hopefully it will resonate with you as it has resonated with me. It's from an atheist talking to a Christian. Quote, you are really convinced that you've got all the answers. You really got yourself tricked into believing that you were 100% right. Well, let me tell you just one thing. Do you consider yourself to be compassionate of other humans? If you're right about God, as you say you are, and you believe that, then how can you sleep at night? When you speak with me, you are speaking with someone who you believe is walking directly into eternal damnation into an endless onslaught of horrendous pain which your loving God created, yet you stand by and do nothing. If you believed one bit that thousands every day were falling into an eternal and unchanging fate, you should be running the streets mad with rage at their blindness to it. That's equivalent, that's equivalent to standing on a street corner and watching every person that passes you walk blindly directly into the path of a bus and die. And yet you stand idly by and do nothing. You're just twiddling your thumbs, happy in the knowledge that one day that walk signal will shine your way across the road. Think about it. Imagine the horrors hell must have in store if the Bible is true. And you're just going to allow that to happen? and not care about saving anyone but yourself? If you're right, then you're an uncaring, unemotional, and purely selfish person that has no right to talk about subjects such as love 
and caring, end quote. That's harsh. But that's true. That's true. Too often, that's true of our lives, isn't it? Too often, we're the priest. Too often, we're the Levite. We just walk on by. We talk about how much we love God and how much God loves the world, but we go about our way and do nothing about it. Too busy to be bothered, too scared to reach out, too hopeless against hard hearts, or whatever else excuses we come up with. The bottom line being this, if that is how I act, if that is how we act, then we truly do not care about the eternities of those around us. We truly do not love God in the way that we should, for if we did, we'd be running to tell them of the one who can save them. We'd be running to tell them, listen, please listen. You need to know this. This matters for eternity. If this is how we act, then we love ourselves and our comfort and our bubble more than others. Maybe that's a raw look at your own heart. Maybe we have to confront some things in our own heart this morning. Some things that we've been doing we should not be. Or we should be doing some things that we've neglected, right? Maybe this morning our heart needs to change. and We need to become more like this man here who was the careful one, the caring one. Verse 33 But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his beast, and took him to an inn, and took care of him. He had care for him. This Samaritan, one who is looked at like a dog by the Jewish people, he acted more like God than they did. You know, sometimes there are people who are more caring than God's own people. Let me say this and listen closely. There are times, there are times when the LGBTQ plus society has more of a sense of community and caring than God's own people. The same could be said for other groups as well. BLM or whatever you want to place on it. You see them actively reaching out and caring for people in the communities, in their communities. You see them seeking to help, whatever whatever they define as help, which is wrong. But you see them acting on it and providing counseling and support, albeit to very wrong ways. But they are providing that support. They are providing that sense of care. And we stay silent. Beloved, it ought not to be that way. We ought not to avoid and pass by on the other side, consumed with our existence, to even reach out to those around about us. No, we ought to be the voice, the hands, and the heart of God to the world around us. We have this example here. This man is moved with compassion. When we look on society, we see what sin has done. Are we moved to our core? Does it, does it hurt our heart? Are we broken for the broken? When you see somebody just messed up with sin and living in, under this, the power of this thing or the power of that thing or going along with no care, does, does our heart break for that? Because we see past to eternal things? Is our heart wounded for those who are wounded by sin? And willing to step in and help, not running away like they have the plague? No. You see, that man on the side of the road was you and me before somebody cared for us. That man on the side of the road, the one that broken and lost in sin, was you and me before somebody came and shared the gospel, right? 
Somebody told us of the one that could give us peace, that could forgive our sin, that could lift us up. Somebody took the time. Do you understand? You can be that person for someone. We must do the same. It's time to stop guarding our lives and guarding our stuff and guarding our schedules. It's time to drop the walls and be the church. Go preach the gospel to every creature. It's time to start getting in and stepping in some people's lives and bringing the healing of Christ that only He can bring. It's time to care. You understand that's going to bring sacrifice? It might bring a sacrifice of time or of resources. Look, this guy was on, a way, on his way somewhere. He's journeying. He had to get off his beast and go over and spend some time caring for this guy. All that could wait. Because this one was more important. You know there's some things that can wait as we talk about eternity with people? There's some things that can wait. He gave of his resources. He took him to somebody that could help, right? He put him on the beast. He took him to an innkeeper and said, hey, take care of him. You know, we might not be able to handle, we're not well equipped to handle all the things that we might face, but we can be a vehicle for help. There might be some physical needs. We can take him to somebody who can receive or give physical care as we provide the spiritual care. If we care enough to be a help. He spent his resources. This two pence is a day's wage. He's willing to give of himself to help this other person. If I am to be like Christ, I am to love and to care for those around me. Even if it throws a wrench in my day, even if it costs me, I can set those things on hold. I can stoop down and I can help someone. Because as we do, God will be seen like no other time. God will be seen. They will know that we truly care. You know what I want this church to be known for? Not just preaching the word, being a lighthouse and standing firmly on the truth. Yes, I I want that to be known first and foremost. I want people to know us for our care. Does not Jesus say that? By this... Shall all men know that you are my disciples by the love that you have? Not just for one another, but for the world around. That's a godly church. That's God's people, man. They love and they help. And they're willing to reach out. That's going to start in my heart and your heart first, isn't it? And chances are we've, we've gotten a little off track on this. It's easy to get wrapped up in the, the frustration. It's easy to get wrapped up in, in the political talk and all that's going on. There's some very important issues out there that we might feel passionately about. And that's not wrong to feel passionately about them. Know where you stand. But there is something that is of more importance, a deeper issue, eternity, heaven or hell. And we know that all men have sinned All men stand guilty, and it's only Christ who can deliver us and give us eternal life. We know that. We've experienced that. That must be what we tell. Jesus asked the question, which one do you think was the neighbor to him that fell among thieves? And the lawyer says, well, the one that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. You go do the same thing. Do we even care? Do I? Do we like it safe and easy where we're unbothered and it's non-intrusive and we can just go along in life, non-involved with others, enjoying our trinkets and our baubles, griping about the weather and politics and society while the world goes straight to hell. After all, I'm good. God forbid that should be my mindset. 
How about we go and do likewise? How about we just stop just talking about it and we get our hearts right and we go and we bring the gospel to some broken people. And we reach out and we show the love of God. That we truly love our neighbor and we truly love God and we truly care for this community and those in our lives. That's what we ought to be doing. Not just saying amen and thinking in our mind, no, I'm not going to do that. No. Me. You. Do we care? This needs to hit home. So tomorrow... When you see that guy at work, when you see that girl at work who brags about the crazy weekends, will you stop and look for an opportunity to share the gospel? Because the question will probably be returned, what did you do this weekend? I went to church. And let me tell you a little bit about the message. When you see the one who wants nothing to do with God, will you reach out and show him? Show her the love of God and the way that you talk and the gentleness of tone and inviting them to church. When you see that person in the store, will you reach out and say hi? You never know where it could lead from then. Even if you have to stand there in the middle of an aisle talking through a mask, will you take the time to say hi? Hope you're having a blessed day. The person you meet on the sidewalk or the protesters or the supporters or the mass police or the vaccine pushers and the Republicans and the Democrats and the liberals and the conservatives and men and women and all people everywhere, however they may come into your lives, will you take time to care for them? Will you care enough to tell them about Jesus? That He gave His life on the cross so that we might be saved that we might have eternal life and forgiveness of sins if we would simply trust Him in faith? Or will you, say, or will you stay silent and go on your merry way? What we've been talking about this morning, as we move to a close, what we've been talking about this morning is a radical difference to how most of us are living life, if we're honest about it. Like a radical difference. It may not be in our habit to stop people on the street and just say, hey, I want to talk to you about God. Or to stop people in the store and talk, talk, want to talk to you about God. Or reach out to the homeless person. Pull a Peter and John on them. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. I may not have a lot of money. You may want this dollar, but you're going to listen to something first before you get this dollar. <laughs> Let me tell you about Jesus. Planting the seed. You don't know where that's going to go, but you're planting the seed. You know how this could work out in a hundred different ways in your own life as I do in mine. The question is, am I going to do what I know I'm supposed to do? Am I going to take that step? Who is our neighbor? Everyone. Who needs God? Everyone. Who can God save and heal and restore to a vibrant relationship with Him? Everyone. Who can Jesus build His church with? Everyone. No, that's the question is not who's my neighbor. The question is do I care about my neighbor? So I end with that, brother and sister. Do you even care? If we find maybe we've strayed, it's time to change that. I've had to do some major repenting in my own hard heart sometimes. I want that gone. I want it gone. And I want my heart to be soft and to be tender for the eternities of those around me. Forever and ever and ever. Listen, man, it's forever. Sometimes the weight of that needs to hit us. We know, we know the truth of God. You know and I know the reality of hell and the reality of heaven. And we know personally 
the saving power of Jesus as He died on that cross. I know how it changed my life that I was a young boy, I placed my faith in Him, and because my eternity is sealed, my eyes close in death here, I'm with Him. That's signed, sealed, and delivered. I have that peace of mind because He died for me. If you know that, man, that should burn within your heart to tell everyone you know because everyone you know needs it. Right? They may never set foot inside the church. They may never follow in baptism like we're supposed to and and become part of the local New Testament church. They may never do that. But at least their eternity is in heaven. That's the most important thing. And we know, oh, I want to be bold in sharing that. Not with an attitude like, well, I hope this is going to work. No, I know it works. It worked for me. God can save anyone. I just got to tell them. And let God do the rest of the work. Maybe it's time we get along, get more along thinking, get thinking more along those lines rather than so self-focused. God can provide that eternal life. God can provide that fullness of life here and now for each and every person we meet. The question is, do we care enough to tell them? Will we reach out as this man did, or will we go on our way? Let's go and do likewise. Bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your love and care to, to us, Lord, and reaching out to us. Thank you for those in our lives that took time to care for us and to reach out and to share the gospel with us, whether it be family or friends or however that happened. I thank you for those caring hearts that back up their love by action. And I ask now, Lord, that for each and every one of us in here who know you and who are walking with you, that you would give us a tender heart to those around about us, that we would act and live as this Samaritan did, reaching out to those who are broken and bringing the gospel to them, Lord. Help us to truly love you and to truly love our neighbor. I ask that you open those doors and give us Boldness to walk through them when we are presented with that opportunity. Please help me in my cold heart that I have sometimes and the hard heart that I have. Lord, soften that. Help me to be aware of the eternities of those around about us, Lord. I can only do it through your grace and your power, Lord. I need you to do the work in me as we all do. So I ask that you do that just now. and Help me to, to be a better witness for you. Lord, you see all the hearts that are gathered here and use this message as you see fit. And even as we come to a time of invitation, Lord, that you would draw and you would convict and you would strengthen as you see how. Do the work that only you can do, Lord. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.